You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Formation Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I also write about developing relationship with God at RyanHughley.com. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Formation Church, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. Learn more at MyXP.Church. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We're into 2023. That's right. And we are back with a fresh year. What This is our third, we're starting our third year, aren't we? Of what? Of From the Field. Oh. We started in 2020, 2021. So we're starting our fourth year. Is that right? 2020. It was most of that year. Then yep. 2021. Yep. Then 2022. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's the beginning starting of our fourth, fourth year. Yeah. Crazy. We're just a couple weeks away from our 100th episode. Oh, yeah. It's pretty That's good. That's great. Yeah. So we're going to kick off this new year. Um, I was spending some time thinking about, uh, you know, one of the things that is we're very intentional about with From the Field, and it's even where the name comes from, is we're not like, uh, it's very common for people who have been in ministry for some season of time that want to leave local church ministry to start like a consulting firm. And I don't say this by way of like any criticism of that by any means, but that's not what we are. Like we are still local church pastors, yeah, still very much in the thick of church planting and you know, trying to <clears throat> build a community and all of that. And so we try to talk about the things that we are learning and experiencing in real time rather mm-hmm. than just in hindsight, like, well, 20 years ago, we learned this principle. There's tons of value in that, but we've chosen to take this bent of like, we're going to try to process in real time. So in light of that, I was thinking through kind of in the last couple of months, because we've been through a lot in the last few months, what's <clears throat> one of the more significant lessons that we've been learning. And I immediately started to think about the importance of managing morale Mm. in a community. And I don't hear a ton about a ton about morale in the context of, of, uh, church ministry. Um, and, and so, but it's a very real reality that every, every, body of people, whether it's a business, whether it's a church, whether it's a team has a morale. Mm -hmm. So morale, like the technical definition is emotional or mental condition with respect to cheerfulness, confidence, zeal, et cetera, especially in the face of opposition or hardship. The way that I would define it is it's basically the answer to the question, how are we feeling? Yeah. Yeah. And how are we feeling about us? Yeah. How are we just like, how are you feeling? Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Not but, just about uh, you. But, yeah. yeah but, uh, but about us. But when this comes up, so right. when formation comes to mind, how do you feel? Right. And so this comes out of, for us, what has been a very recent lesson where, let's see, it probably would have been, I started to sense it in October, but uh, really by mid to late October, it was very, very clear we had a morale issue. Sure. And some of the symptoms of it was our attendance was way down. Yep. We weren't getting, you know, it was down and we weren't getting like this um, sea of emails from people going, we're leaving. They right. just weren't coming. Yeah. <laughs> like, and if I talked to people, they were fine. They didn't mm-hmm. say they were leaving. They just weren't coming. Yep. Um, the service experience that we were having on Sundays, 
just didn't have much energy. People were very subdued. Um, there wasn't enthusiasm. So basically, it just seemed like, it seems like we really have a morale issue. Yeah. And so that really set us working through trying to figure out exactly what that is, which is essentially, I think, you know, in, 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 in the wake of everything that the last few years has been for every person and for every church, the reason I think it's timely to talk about this is it's my assumption that many churches right now are having some morale issues. Yeah. Do you agree with like, as you think about the pastors that you're talking with, with my XP, yeah. I got to think there's some morale, even just, even if it's just with them, but probably sure. with their communities. Are you seeing any of that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I uh, had a conversation with a church today that has lost about 60% of their people in the course of the last year. Um, and, um, I think that that's, uh, they have a lot of extenuating circumstances as to why, um, and that's not super uncommon, you mm -hmm. know, uh, like I was quick to say, yeah, I, I think some of it is driven by some of the goings on at the church and people are just interacting with church differently. Yeah. And I think as a result, even that alone for those who like, even if you're one of the people interacting with church differently, when you come and maybe your friends aren't there or maybe they've left or maybe they just aren't there that week, you can develop a morale issue when you think about the church based on something that's being fueled by you based on your own choices. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it's a little bit complicated, but I think right now in particular, um, there are not a ton of conversations I'm having with ministry leaders where everyone's just like setting them up and knocking them down and yeah. going to have, I, I know people like that in the more kind of parachurch space who feel that way. Uh, but I think in the daily grind of, of actual ministry, um, it's not, yeah, I'm not seeing that a ton. Yeah, yeah. So the way that we're going to come at this <clears throat> is like, so if you are listening and you're someone that would say like, yeah, I mean, kind of listening to this for the past five, six minutes and thinking about what you're experiencing in your own ministry, maybe you're wondering like, maybe we do have a morale issue right now. Mm -hmm. Then the question becomes, how do you manage that? What do you do with it? Because a morale issue that goes unaddressed in the most extreme cases can mean the death of a community. Totally. Because yeah. it just, I mean, essentially every church that has ever closed, because I was a part of closing a church when mm -hmm. I was 27 yeah. and we had a morale issue for a solid two years oh, before yeah. we actually closed yeah. and it never got addressed the way that it had it gotten addressed the way that it need needed to. And earlier on, then the eventual outcome would not have been the outcome, but it didn't get addressed. And as a result, it closed like yeah. that. That is what I think is at stake and why there should be urgency in paying attention to these things because yep. if it goes unaddressed, that's where it can end up. Yeah, and I think even um, with my work with MyXP, um, we've unfortunately had the opportunity to help a couple of churches close. Yeah. And I think that that is a definite indicator that was experiencing those that we've helped do that, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, for sure, you know, I didn't get a chance to visit these churches, but yeah. for sure the pastors were having that issue. Yeah. There, there has never been a situation in which every single person that's a part of a community is thriving and then it just closes the next yeah. week. Like there's reasons for that. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of times people assume it's like financial driven. And the reality is I don't have a single one that's been in that case because there are like, um, 
I don't know, unlimited buckets of money out there. Uh, whether you're planting, whether, I mean, so many millions earmarked, uh, so many churches I know of that are like sitting on piles of money looking to, you know, support church planters, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, you have to do the work to build the relationship and make the ask yeah. and all of that. But it's you know. not money is not the insurmountable obstacle no, that people t- I, think like pretend like it is. I don't have or believe it is. Yeah, I don't have an example where that was the driver. Yeah, I think it wasn't that, in my experience. I think that the morale issue um, can cause givers to leave, mm-hmm. and so it can be a self fulfilling prophecy. Mm-hmm. But it's not just like oh, we're out of money. I guess we have to close. Right. Yep. And I think that that's what people would assume about any sort of charitable organization. And the truth is, I think um, in the situations that I'm thinking about, yeah. the pastors just gave up. Yeah. 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 And understandably so in mm-hmm. most cases. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to take uh, the next three weeks and we're going to talk about how do we actually diagnose what the what is the cause of the morale problem? Mm-hmm. How do we discern what the solution is to that problem? And then how do we go about actually driving to the finish and getting that done. Yep. And then we'll do a fourth week talk talking about just some basic principles and really helping your community develop a, a daily practice of cultivating joy, something we've been talking about at Formation over yeah. the last month or so. Absolutely. But today we're really going to spend our time talking about how do we go about diagnosing the problem. Mm-hmm. And anytime that, that, that word diagnose is language that you and I have used for over a decade now when it comes to problem solving. And so talk a little bit about what is it about the word diagnosing in the Mm -hmm. context of problem solving that has always really resonated with you? Yeah. I mean, I think that it, it like it involves, you know, whether you're in a corp from a corporate background and you think about root cause analysis or Mm -hmm. something like that, it really does uh, force you to get to like, what's at the heart of the issue, a diagnosis. And I, I like that term because typically we only hear it used in terms of like a medical situation. So I go to the doctor and just observing that you have a problem is worthless. Mm -hmm. Like just because you're like, I have a morale issue. Cool. The reason we all go to the doctor is because we are sick or, you know, my arms off or whatever, like whatever the case (laughs) is that I'm, I'm being faced with. Yeah. Like you're smart enough to know, like the average person can look at a situation like this and say, um, there's something not right here. Yeah. Uh, congratulations. That doesn't earn you anything. Right. Uh, the reason that you go to the doctor, the reason that you go to someone with like skills in the area is because you need a diagnosis. And, um, if you're in a situation where you go to the doctor and he comes and checks on you and does all of that and is like, Oh, you have a cold, but really you have cancer. Uh, whatever he prescribes you is not going to help. Mm-hmm. And you're never going to like, get better because you have missed the diagnosis. And that's, I think, probably uh, one of the most significant parts is like, what is the problem? And like, why does it exist? Yeah. Like, that's really like trying to like, you know, that idea of, like I said, root cause analysis mm-hmm. or whatever you want to, however you want to call it, getting to the heart of the issue, all of that kind yeah. of stuff. It's all the same thing, making sure that you actually know what has caused what's going on. Yeah. But staying with the medical metaphor, we are having to assume the position of being the doctor in right. this situation yeah. where we're saying, okay, there's a general problem. 
Mm -hmm. There's a morale issue. So then from there, we have to move toward just like a doctor, he or she would go, okay, well, what are your symptoms when Mm -hmm. you come in? And so then we are going to, we pay attention to, to what are the symptoms so that we can come to a diagnosis and then prescribe whatever it is that is going to solve this problem. So it is a helpful metaphor to use in this whole thing. So how do we go about diagnosing what is at the heart of our morale problem? And so we just have three simple things that we would uh, encourage you to think through. The first one is, I would say, is to look inward, mm. to start with yourself. Yep. You know, I think sometimes we don't always, and we, we talk a lot about the importance of paying attention to our inner world and inner life. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. less talking about this on the like, you know, like sitting down with your feelings wheel and figuring out what it is that sure. you're carrying that day, though I do that. And I think that's beneficial. I'm, I'm saying more like when, what is, where is your morale at as yeah. the leader? Sure. So when, to use our thing, when, when you or I think about formation, what are we feeling about the whole thing? And so I think starting with that and, and you do a good job of asking a lot of like why questions Mm -hmm. and when it comes to problem solving. So, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not feeling great about this right now. Okay. Well, why? Then a list of answers come out of that. And then continuing to ask that why question and mm-hmm. drilling down over and over and over again, usually what happens is you will come up with a host of reasons that if your own morale is low right now, you'll get to the heart of why that is. Totally. And I think that there's really not many organizations in the world that have a morale issue that don't have something going on at the leadership level. Yeah. You know, it might not be your fault, but it's definitely your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And I think that being in a situation where you uh, force yourself to start with you. I had a boss uh, when I worked at Starbucks who didn't matter. I oversaw upwards of 35 stores at different points in time and had, you know, hundreds of partners reporting to me and things happen at those stores. You know, a customer would have a bad experience and reach out and, you know, you can like Google email addresses pretty easily. And so I'd get way outside of what Mm -hmm. it needed to. And so then my boss would come to me or I would have to call him, Hey, just so you know, this happened. And I did not care for him in many ways. But one of the things I take away from my time with him is him forcing me to start with myself. Mm -hmm. And I always had to share with him what I could have done differently. And sometimes it was like, you know, the stores felt their failed their cleanliness audit. Well, I don't know. I had like 35. I didn't clean one. Yeah. Um, But I still needed to own like, you know what? I could have like been in there more. I should have been aware that this one was probably not going to do as well or whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that really has caused me to always start with yourself. Yeah. uh, Because again, maybe it's not your fault. Maybe there's reasons uh, that are external to you that you have a morale issue, but it's your responsibility to be the one who's like, this has got to stop. And so I think looking inward, starting with yourself and really determining why do I feel the way that I do and how does how does this change is absolutely the place to start. I would definitely um, own the fact that uh, a good bit of the, we had a very, we'll talk more about like, we had a very practical issue that was Mm -hmm. causing a big part of the morale thing. But even with that being, so I felt that, which is something that, in looking inward was important because I needed to recognize, well, yeah, this thing and ours had to do with the space that we were meeting in is not working and was causing a morale issue. But just my own morale in ministry and life was definitely an aspect of what was affecting our community as a whole. Now that's not to say that because 
I had a couple of hard years and I was struggling. I'm not so arrogant as to say like, and as a result, everyone's spiritual journey was suffering. No, I don't think that's the case at all. Organizationally, you know, like as a community, when we gather together for worship, if the person at the helm of that is is obviously having a, a hard time, there's just no way that that does not impact the community as a whole. Yeah. So I think to your point, the notion that um, if there's a morale issue, that it doesn't somehow in some way start at the top, I think is is probably naive at best. Oh, yeah. So, and, and foolish at worst. Yeah. So, so look <laughs> inward. That's the yep. place to start. The second one would be to get feedback. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this because when people hear us say get feedback, my guess would be there is a solid percentage of them that would think like, well, we got to Okay. So churchwide survey, Oh gosh. which we by and large don't do Yeah. and have pretty strong opinions about why it's not helpful. Yeah. I think that unless you're going to spend a unbelievable amount of money, like, you know, Disney or uh, restaurants or different companies do to have someone who is an expert at uh, crafting a survey and all the conditional formatting of if they get this it. response and yeah. that response and this and that, um, you are just wasting your time. If you're like, uh, if your like response to a survey is to have like a random admin staff member like create a woofu form, mm-hmm. um, that's not going to tell you anything. Because yeah. to your point, even like the interpreting of it, I, there's a reason some of these companies make an ungodly amount of money because it's it's very important. It's like a, it's literally a science. Yeah, and I think that people just miss the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. And genuinely, if you want to know how people are feeling about certain things, talk to them yep. and get together with people. And it's not everybody, but um, I think inevitably you have people that you know of in your church. And, and and as you get feedback, don't only get the people who think that everything you did hung the moon. Mm-hmm. Like you need those people. Those are the people you call when you're having a bad day and you want to mm-hmm. quit and all of that kind yeah. of stuff. And those people like, like I believe their like houses in heaven will be extra big. Now, uh, those aren't the people. It's not that you don't call them at all, but mm-hmm. if that's all you call, you just hear like how great you are and you hang up the phone and, yeah. and your morale's fixed for the moment, but you, you know, move on and nothing changes. Right. And so you've got to call a wide variety of people, different in ages, different in backgrounds, different in priorities, all of those kind of things, and just have some conversations about like, how is this going for us? Yeah. Yeah, the, I would say if you're trying to figure out, well, then who exactly should I talk to? Who is participating fully in the life of your church? Totally. That's the people that I yep. want to talk to. And what I would encourage you to do is don't talk to people who are not fully participating. It's not because they don't matter, that they're not children of God. It's not because you don't love them. Yeah. But they are not going to have the ability to really give a critical response to yeah. what it is that you're trying to figure out. Because, you know, when we made, because we were meeting in another venue and we were meeting at 4 p.m. and we were considering changing the venue and coming here to our ministry mm-hmm. center, which is where we ended up, and yep. coming back to the morning. And I didn't, we didn't send out a survey. And I had some people that would email me and be like, how come there was no like group wide? And I was like, cool, because I know what it's going to say. Some people like four yeah. and some people like 10 a.m. So yep. that doesn't really solve the problem for us. Sure. But what I did want to know is for the people who are fully participating in the life of our church, mm-hmm. what do you prefer? Right. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? Because the person that shows up once every six weeks, it's not that I don't love them and I don't want them to be more deeply engaged, but we're not going to make big decisions based no. on people who are barely here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's just, 
important to like, like you said, ask those people who are fully engaged. And um, as you ask them, those are the people you can have a real conversation with about. And even if you don't prefer Mm -hmm. where we're leaning, are you going to leave? Right. You know, because you've got to know like what, what kind of like collateral damage you're going to deal with in making a decision. You've got to know all of those types of things. And those are the people that are going to be willing to sacrifice a personal preference for the greater good of what God's doing at your church. Yep. And so that's where it's helpful for them to say, well, here's why I don't love this, but like I'm in it to win it. If that's Mm -hmm. how we do it, I can think or not, even as you're talking, I can think of two, two faces come to mind for me. And uh, on both ends of our experience mm-hmm. over the last six months, sure. one of them, you know, when we made the decision, we're going to stop Sunday services, we're going to go back to core group, mo- mo- core group mode, 4 p.m. Sunday afternoons. One person in our church, high, like huge part of our church, participates in every facet of what we do and hated the 4 p.m. thing. Mm-hmm. Terrible on their family, terrible yeah. on them personally, hated it, and showed up every freaking week. Yeah. Never missed one. Yep. And then we had another person that when we made the shift back to, to 10 a.m., and they were not highly participatory in yep. our church, the moment that their preference ceased to be met, they were gone. We haven't yep. seen them since. Yep. And I and I just feel like I it is the 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 person who is there regardless of whether or not it's according to their preference, their voice should carry weight. The other person's should truly barely matter to yeah. you. And I don't, I know that that sounds kind of callous, but it's just true. Like yeah. why, why would someone who barely participates get to their voice, get to carry the same amount of weight as the person who is like literally bleeding for this place? Absolutely. It just isn't fair. Yep. And so the last thing that would be, so you've, you've looked inward, done your own work, you've gotten feedback from the people that are really participating. And then I would say what you're looking for is just trends, you know, like where is there, so the things that you're experiencing mm-hmm. and the, and then you're starting to have like, I mean, how many conversations did we, I mean, I remember before we made the decision to move from ridgeline to formation, I can't remember now, I think I had 27, 28 conversations with people before I made the announcement about that. Mm -hmm. And, and what the trend that I experienced was every single person I talked to was like, yep, this makes total sense. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's the kind of stuff that you're looking for to where you're, you're going like, you talked to 15, 20, 30, 40 people, and you heard the same thing from, you know, 90% of them, mm-hmm. well, then there's probably something in that that you should pay attention to that really is beginning to get the heart of what the problem is Yep, with the morale thing. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> that's, that's the place to start. And then the last thing before we kind of sign off for this week, and then we'll pick this back up next week, is uh, you said something a few minutes ago as we were talking about like once you've figured out what the problem is, yeah. Some sometimes, oftentimes, especially when it's a morale thing, that problem feels really big. Yeah. So what would be your closing encouragement to someone that has identified like there's this there's this big problem in front of us yeah. and to to get over this wall yeah. is going to be a sign require a significant amount of work. What would you tell someone once they have really diagnosed what their problem is? How would you encourage them? Yeah. I mean, I think anytime you land on what the problem is and it feels like you have like affirmation, it should be viewed as God's grace to you that he's revealed that mm-hmm. because it could have been a situation that you caught like, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. like after your church closed and man, I wish we would have done this or that. And that would have made a difference. And so like, don't wallow. Mm-hmm. Um, 
-hmm. when it comes to actually trying to decide what to do to discern the solution, but genuinely like get after it. Like you don't have the luxury of, you know, spending too much time waxing poetically about what got us here today and all of that. And some of that is a part of diagnosing the problem. But once you already know, it's just time to to move. Mm-hmm. You've got to like, like get after what does it mean to address this? Because especially a morale issue can be, can grow and take over and end an organization so quickly. I mean, you know, even looking at different, um, corporations that have dealt with that. I mean, I can think of two major corporations in the last, uh, couple of years that, uh, had to like replace CEOs with original ones because the, at the end of the day, the I mean, it was the stock market that yeah. drove it, but the morale of the company, knowing people who work there and and being a customer myself, um, I mean, they were on a downward spiral. And yeah. the stock market was just like the, the thing that was like the indicator. Uh, yeah. And it's usually what causes people to move. We don't have a stock market. And so we have to recognize that once these things are understood, uh, it's time to make like swift surgical decisions about mm-hmm. what needs to happen to address it. And the truth is, as you were talking, I was thinking this, really the moment you make that turn and you do start to move from what we're talking about this week, which is diagnosing a problem, mm-hmm. to the second step, which is discerning what is the solution to that problem. Yep. That as soon as you make that turn, that's the moment morale begins to shift. Totally. Because then there does begin to be a shift in momentum yep. and some hope and excitement and life begins to, re- to return. Yep. And in the absence of that turn, you're just left with this horrible, crushing morale issue. Like, totally. For me, the the... The worst that it was, was I remember sitting in, um, I can't remember if I've talked about this on here yet, but it was literally the week before we began to explore the possibility of moving here. Mm-hmm. I was sitting in the front row during worship, the band was leading, and and it just felt horrible. You know, like, you know, sometimes you just mm-hmm. walk into a room and you're like, something doesn't feel good yeah. here. It's like drinking a flat Coke. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I was sitting in the front row and I had this conscious thought of like, I feel like I'm the captain of the Titanic Mm. and I can see the ship going down Yep. and it's not good. Yeah. But I did have this like, and at that point I was, I would think I was so discouraged and dejected because we hadn't yet figured out what the problem was and we hadn't figured out what the solution was that I just really felt like, I think this might be it. Mm -hmm. Like I think. I just don't think we're going to be able to get past this. Totally. And so the quicker that you can work through the things that we're talking about here and then make the turn that you're talking about, don't wallow, don't whine about it, make the turn and start moving toward a solution. That's when the morale begins to change. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So we'll be back next week and we're going to start to talk about how do we then actually go about discern. We've identified a problem. How do we go about discerning what the solution is? Uh, but until then, we'd love to connect with you on social media. And so you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. As always, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.